I've been praying for you guys, and, you know, it, I'm going to be honest, but I promise that I won't stay, you know, in this kind of negative place, but to start somewhere. Everybody that I'm talking with, you guys, just so obviously you also don't feel alone, everybody that I'm talking with is going through a lot. I'm talking a lot, you know what I mean? And, and not just first world problems a lot, you know what I mean? Not just like, oh, I didn't, you know, wasn't able to go to Starbucks this morning, kind of, you know. I mean, people are really, really going through it. People are struggling with their health. People are struggling with their, their families. People are struggling with relationships. It, it, it just seems like the enemy is on this all-out assault for the church. And I love that, you know, Jesus is, encourages us in this way and he says, you know, the world, is, you're going to have problems in the world. You're, you're going to be persecuted. You're, you're going to go through trials, Jesus says, in this world, right? I like how Jesus is honest with us right in the beginning that there is no falsehood about Christianity. Because I don't know about you, but I was really, really young. I thought that, well, once you became a Christian, that meant everything was just going to turn out peachy. That everything, your life was going to be perfect, right? That, you know, nothing was ever going to go wrong. And of course, as a Christian, I found out that that was so not true. You know, my, we've got, I've gone through many trials. My wife and I have gone through many trials. Just because we call ourselves Christians, just because we are disciples of Jesus, just because even I have the title of pastor, you know, in front of my name, still does not mean that I get a free pass in life. Jesus said, in this world, you will face many trials. But guess what? That Jesus said, do not fear because I have overcome the world. I have already won. Victory is already yours. Whatever it is that you are going through, you win. Because Jesus already won. He already defeated death. Right? He already defeated death. So when we get pushed around in this world, guess what? We get to push back. We get to fight back. In fact, you know, all of the New Testament is all about encouraging us to walk, to run this race. You know, Paul refers to our life as this race. Run the race with endurance. Run the race. Don't get up. You know, don't give up. If you fall, pick yourself back up. Dust the, you know, dust yourselves and keep going. Finish the race. Finish the race. And as I was praying over you guys and as I was praying over the church, I just kept seeing this word over and over and over, and that was just stand your ground. Stand your ground. Do not let the enemy push you around. Do not let the enemy dictate to you your life. You will face trials. You will go through hardships. But fear not, because I have overcome all of those things. So that whatever it is that you are going through, you can walk through it knowing that the God of the universe is standing next to you. Is that is on your side. We forget, you know, I love that David says this. And it was after this kind of lament, this psalm 
where he says, you know, he's repenting, but he says these words that just, they ring true in my heart all the time. He says, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. And so quickly I forget what I've been saved from. So quickly I forget the path of destruction I was once on. So quickly I forget that when I wake up and just because the line at Starbucks is too long and I don't think I'm going to make it, I quickly forget the joy of my salvation. The joy of knowing that I have been saved from death itself, from eternal damnation. I have been saved from the very pits of hell, snatched up. That there is something about that that should give us that fuel to run the race that is in front of us, to be able to go through the things of life that we are going through. Stand your ground. Stand your ground. Do not be pushed around. Do not let the enemy, you know, treat you like a puppet. Do not let the enemy be this lying voice in your ear that seems to direct you and your feelings and your emotions all over the place. Stand your ground. Stand firm. And so, of course, this led me to, you know, talk about the the putting on the full armor of God. And I'd like to read it to you again. Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 10. This is a letter written by Paul, and it's written to a church in Ephesus, and he's literally writing this from prison. Picture that. Here is a guy that is in the worst place that you can be. And by the way, this is no uh, modern-day prison, right? This is a Roman prison. It's dirty, it's stinky, it's dark, And he was lucky if he got anything to eat. And if he even did get something to eat, it was probably disgusting. It was probably moldy. It was probably old. They're literally just trying to keep him alive just so that he can suffer, right? So put yourself in in Paul's shoes for just a moment, Paul's sandals. And he's writing, and yet here is Paul encouraging the church, encouraging you guys, not even knowing that all these you know, years and years and years and years later that we would still be reading this letter, that he would still be encouraging the church, that, you know, whatever it is that you're going through, Paul's saying, hey, I get it. I understand. Have you ever heard the term long-suffering, right? Long-suffering? Nobody wants to long-suffer, right? I don't want to long-suffer, yet it's in the Bible, right? In fact, it's, it's in there with all the... Fruits of the Spirit and all that kind of stuff, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's listed as one of those things, you know, long-suffering. Whoever says, oh, I pray long-suffering for you? Nobody, right? Nobody. But we all experience it in our lives. We all understand what long-suffering is. We all understand what it means to feel like, you know what? It's this, whatever is going on right now, it's not relenting. It's not stopping. I'm still feeling this heaviness in my life. I'm still feeling this weight. I'm still, you know, my my circumstances have not changed. That is long suffering. 
And it's something that we can only walk through with God. It's something that we can only understand with God by our side. He says this. So Paul, who would have understood long-suffering, says this to us. A final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Okay, this is a guy who is suffering. Again, let's just not forget who's writing this and where he's coming from. Paul, he's suffering. He is in prison, right? He is in a dirty, filthy situation. Not sure if he's going to make it out of this. But yet he's saying these encouraging words to us. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. And then he says this. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Listen, if you think that whatever it is that you're going through right now, you know, has to do with, you know, someone specific, you know, if you're struggling in life and, 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 you know, there's someone, you know, that you're ticked off at, let me just tell you this. Paul is telling us, listen, you, it's not just flesh and blood. It's not just flesh and blood. There is spiritual things going on behind the scenes that you cannot see. So don't get locked into an argument with people because it will go nowhere, right? Anybody who's on Facebook will understand that getting in an argument leads to nowhere. Why do we do it, right? Why do we do it? But we need to start speaking to the spiritual the authority that we have in Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we can start speaking to the spiritual things. We can start casting those things out. We can start binding those things. Anything bound on earth is bound in heaven, is, is what it's told us in the scriptures. We have the authority to bind things in Jesus' name. So we need to start seeing beyond the physical. Verse 13, Therefore, Put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Anybody feel like, oh, that's me right there. Time of evil, man, happening right now. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. And then it starts in verse 14, stand your ground. Stand your ground. Do not be pushed around. Putting on the belt of truth. It starts there. What do you believe? What is your belief system? Who do you believe God is? Because if he is not all creator to you, then your belief system is going to hinge on whatever it is that you believe. But if you believe that God is who he says he is, that Jesus is who he says he is, then you will be able to walk in that kind of faith. That you will have that kind of truth as literally the very center of who you are, which is where the belt is. Everything hinges, just like the, a Roman you know, uh, army belt, everything would have hinged upon that. What is your belief system? Because if it is not in God, if it is not in Jesus Christ, then you will be blown, you know, like tumbleweed, you know, just being blown around and you will have no basis. You will, you will not feel like you are rooted in anything but tossed. The belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. 
You see, the body armor is what protected the very vital organs, the heart, right? The heart, a very vital organ. The body armor of God's righteousness. You see, the enemy tries to go after our righteousness, which, by the way, is not ours. So let's just explain that. You are not perfect. I am not perfect. Whew. We got, it out. We got that out of the way. None of us are perfect. In fact, the Bible says all have sinned. All fall short of the glory of God. You see, there is nothing that we can do in our own power to deserve the love of God. There is nothing that we can do. But because of what Jesus did, we can now clothe ourselves in his righteousness. You understand? His righteousness. So it is not in our righteousness that we walk around. It is in his righteousness. It is knowing that I am a sinner. It is knowing that I am imperfect. But it is in his righteousness that I walk in. This is why that I want to be a good person. Because it is, I realize it's no longer my clothes that I'm wearing, my dirty, filthy rags. I am now clothed in God's righteousness, in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And so because of that, I want to obey him. I want to do what's right. And I'm protected. The very heart of me is protected. For shoes put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. You see, our footing, right? Our footing, it's, it, it's, it's where we find our very center. It's where, you know, if we got good footing. It's why football players wear cleats. You know, you have to have good footing. Well, the kind of footing that we need is peace. The peace that only comes from God. And, and the peace that I talked about, that I shared about a couple weeks ago, by the way, it's the only kind of peace that you will find in the middle of a storm. It's only that kind of peace that you find. The peace that surpasses all understanding. In addition to all of these, Hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Last week I talked about the, the, the shield of faith. You see, the enemy, and this is where we're, I've been you know, getting into this, the enemy is constantly firing these darts of lies to you, these, these darts of doubts to you, these you know, constantly trying to get you off course, and there is only one thing that will protect you from that. That is the faith in Jesus Christ. That is the faith in knowing and in, in what you cannot see. The faith in believing that God has got your back and that he's not going to leave you orphaned. That he's not going to abandon you. That he's not going to take you out into the middle of the ocean and just leave you there to fend for yourself. That there is a faith in knowing that God is going to protect me. That God is going to walk this through with me. Put on salvation as your helmet. So here we go. Here's our new pieces of armor that we're looking up. Put on salvation as your helmet. The believer's sanity, right? The believer's sanity. A soldier used a helmet to protect his head because if his head was wounded, he wouldn't be able to think straight. Every believer needs to have the mind of Christ under the control of Almighty God. When a person is saved, for the first time, he has his right mind. A person without the spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ has a form of insanity. They do not operate with the mind that God made them to have. The most important thing for you to have at all times is an assurance of your salvation. 
an assurance of your salvation. Are you saved? Are you saved? And this is somewhere, by the way, that even as Christians, you know, that the enemy tries to, to make you doubt. I used to think when I first got saved, I first got saved when I was young. And growing up as a kid, and especially into my teenage years, I quickly, you know, got into this routine that if I happened to fall into sin, that I had to start all over. That I got kicked out of the club. That I wasn't a Christian anymore. Up, oh, I sinned. I messed up, you know what I mean? I, I, I totally, all those things that I, that I thought I had given up, I haven't really given them up. And, and so what I would kind of do is I would get into this habit of just immersing myself completely back in to my old ways, my old life. Because I thought, well, you know what? I have to start from scratch anyways. Might as well kind of enjoy it a little bit. But that was a complete lie. That was a complete lie. My salvation was secure. My salvation, you see, when Jesus came to die on a cross for our sins, he didn't just die for that one sin at that one moment. He died once and for all, the Bible says. Once and for all. Even the sins you have not committed. This is why we walk in grace. This is why we walk in his grace. That even though I am still a sinner, I am saved through grace from God. Our salvation is secure. This is why Paul describes it as, as the helmet, because it's, it messes with our thinking. It messes with how we think that, you know what, you don't know what kind of a screw-up I am. You don't know what kind of a mess-up I am. And the enemy seems to kind of sneak in there and then start to mess with you and thinking, yeah, maybe you're not really saved. Maybe your salvation really isn't secure. Maybe you're not worthy to be in this thing called Christianity. And those are all lies from Satan. Because the truth is, guess what? You are not worthy. We are made worthy because of what Jesus did. And it is only belief in that is all that's required of us. That's it. Belief. Salvation in no other. Acts 4.11 says this. This is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which you must be saved. Again, this is our thinking. Many of us, especially in our culture, in the times that we live in, we're, we're looking for things to save us. You know what? Money will save me. If I can just make enough money, if I can just win the lottery, right? Then I'll be happy. Then things will be good. By the way, that is not true. I've been watching too many documentaries on all these, you know, uh, crazy murders and all that kind of stuff. And one of them is this guy is a billionaire. And he still says none of that. None of that makes me happy. None of it. Money will not make you happy. Money will not save you. You know, and, and, and even in, in our modern days, we're so used to... And by the way, let, let me just say this. I am, I am not... Uh, saying that modern medicine is bad, but what I'm saying is, is when our trust is only in modern medicine and not in the living God. Because that is our only salvation. That is our only salvation. We all eventually at some point, these bodies will cease, right? Death in the physical is imminent, right? Death and taxes, right, Sal? Death and taxes. You can count on those. 
but my salvation is secure through Jesus Christ alone. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No other way can you get to God except through me. I am the way. I'm it. But yet we still look in so many other things to save us, so many other things to to fill the void in our lives. We even do it with relationships. We even do it with people. And it's unfair because people are not perfect. People are not perfect. In fact, if you put your trust in me, you will be disappointed at some point, right? You will be disappointed because I'm human. Your trust should only be, your salvation should only be in Jesus Christ and in him alone because he's the only one that saves. It is only through him that we can get to God. Salvation in no other. Believe and confess. Romans 10.10 says, For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And it is by confessing with your mouth that you are saved. As the scriptures tell us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Jew and Gentile are the same in this respect. They have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Your salvation is secure. You do not have to doubt if you're saved, if you've called on the name of the Lord, if you believe in your heart, and if you confessed it with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, then you are saved. You do not have to doubt it. You do not have to go through life thinking, if I, well, if I mess up, what happens if I mess up? What happens? What happens if I sin? What happens if I stumble? What happens if I trip? What happens? Let me tell you what happens. Nothing. Grace is what happens. Just like if you have children, you walk over and when your children fall or or when they do something, you don't stop loving them. You don't kick them out of the family. My three-year-old, if she does something wrong, I don't kick her out of the family. I don't put her out on the streets. Why? Because I am a loving father. Right? I'm not an evil father. That is not how we operate. That is not what Christianity is. God does not do the same with you. Just because you mess up, just because you fall on hard times, or just because you, you know, make poor decisions or whatever like that, he doesn't kick you out on the streets. He loves you through it. He'll correct you, right? He'll bring correction. He'll say, hey, just like I would say, don't, hey, don't do that again. Hey, we don't do that right? Hey, don't touch, you know, the fire again. It hurts. It burns. Don't touch that. But you don't get kicked out. Your salvation is secure. Your salvation is secure. Believe and confess. The last piece of armor, take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. See, all those other pieces of the armor that we were talking about, they're all defensive. They're all protective. They're all, you know, stuff that you're just hoping, you know, this is all going to work, right? I'm just hoping that, you know, I'm not going to get beat up and all this stuff. But there is one weapon that God gives us as an offensive weapon that you can take to the enemy, And that is the word of God. That is the word of God. We're going to read this story in in the book of Luke chapter 4. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there with me. If not, I'm just going to read it. 
Luke chapter 4, starting in verse 1. This is Jesus being tempted in the wilderness. Says this, then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River. He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness where he was tempted by the devil for 40 days. Jesus ate nothing uh, all that time and became very hungry. Now, let me just explain this. Jesus was being tempted for us, right? Because we are human, because we are tempted. In fact, this goes all the way back to Adam and Eve. Jesus is actually fulfilling something here. He is going out to be tempted because he is going out to prove who he is. He is going out to prove that he is the King of Kings, that he is the Lord of Lords, that he is the Messiah, that he is the one who saves. He is going out to prove who he is because the very first two people, Adam and Eve, fell into temptation. And that is when sin entered the world. Verse 3, then the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, tell this stone to become a loaf of bread. Now, by the way, the devil starts using the word of God on the word of God, right? He's literally using scripture, but he's twisting it. He's trying to get Jesus, right, to, uh, to, to fall into this temptation, but Jesus told him, no, the scriptures say, where does Jesus immediately go, but he goes to the scriptures? No, the scriptures say, people do not live by bread alone. Then the devil took him up and revealed to him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. He said, hey, I will give you the glory of these kingdoms and authority over them. Because they are mine to give to anyone I please. And I will give it all to you if you will worship me. And Jesus replied, with scripture, you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple, and said, if you are the son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say he will order his angels to protect and guard you. And they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. And Jesus responded, the scripture also says, you must not test the Lord your God. When the devil had finished tempting Jesus, he left him until the next opportunity came. Jesus passed the test. Jesus showed that he was who he says that he was. He was God. He was the great I am. He was the Messiah. Even though he was fully man, he was also fully God. And, and Satan tempted him three times. And each time, Jesus came back with the word of God and defeated Satan. See, not only was Jesus this fulfillment that even though we started off as man by being tempted, that the, the man Jesus still defeated the enemy in this moment of temptation. That we can now, because of the power of the Holy Spirit, because of the authority given to us through God, we can now resist temptation when temptation comes along. The sword of the Spirit. John... 1-1, one, one. in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made, uh, nothing was made that was made. In him was life, 
and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. You see, Jesus is Lord. You see, Jesus is the Word. When we have Christ in us, we have the Word of God in us. And the Word of God, the Word that spoke into creation... We did not exist. This is what's hard to believe. This is what our our minds cannot fathom. That we, at one point, did not exist. But it was through the word of God that we were spoken into existence. By the power of God, by only his words. And it says that the word of God, being Jesus, was even there in the beginning. He was with God and he was God. It is that word that spoke into creation. It is also the word of the law. The word of the law. So let's, let's, not, let's not get to a place as Christians where just because we have a freedom and just because we have grace and mercy that we can still live you know, a sinful life. That we can still go do things that the world does. Because, see, there still is God's law, and God still spoke those things, and the law is still there, and even though we are not, you know, hindered by the law, even though we do not live underneath the law, you see, Jesus came to fulfill the law. The law has been fulfilled. The very word that God spoke, the foundations of what is right and what is wrong, it's still a foundation. But we have Jesus, who is now the fulfillment of that law. We don't have to live under the weight of it anymore. Like I said, going, going back to my other statement, if you make a mistake, you're not kicked out. That is where Jesus comes in. That is the price that Jesus paid for us. That word of the law that governs and rules over all creation. This, you guys, is not an accident. Right? It is not an accident. It is not you know, some random act. We are not random. We were spoken into existence by the very creator himself. That is what makes it beautiful. That is what makes us beautiful. And we are made in the very image of God, the Bible says. It is that word that not only spoke, but it is also that word that governs, that keeps everything in right alignment, that this all doesn't spin out of control. And then, of course, there is the word of the revelation, which only comes through Jesus Christ. The good news, you guys, that even though once we were sinners, that Jesus came for us sinners, that he died on a cross, that he conquered death for you and for me, that we do not have to live any longer under the weight of that, that we do not have to live on the outside anymore, that we are part of the family It is that word of revelation, that word of good news of Jesus Christ, you guys. These are the things, the weapon. This right here is the weapon that we get to use against the enemy's attacks. When he starts lying to you, when he starts telling you, you know, things that are not true. I I love this. I found this and I wanted to read it to you guys. It's it's one of those, you know, when, when, when the world says this, the Bible says this type of, type of, you know, memes. So it says, you say, God says, okay? So you say, I can't figure it out. But God says, I will direct your steps in Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. You say, I'm too tired. God says, I will give you rest in Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 to 30. 
You say it's impossible, but God says all things are possible in Luke 18, 27. You say nobody loves me. God says, but I love you in John 3, 16. You say, I can't forgive myself, but God says, but I have forgiven you, Romans 8, 1. You say it is not worth it, but God says it will be worth it in Romans 8, 28. You say, I'm not smart enough, but God says, but I will give you wisdom, 1 Corinthians 1.30. You say, I am not able, but God says, but I am able in uh, 2 Corinthians 9.6. You say, I can't go on, but God says, my grace is sufficient for you, 2 Corinthians 12.9. You say, I can't do it. God says you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you, Philippians 4.13. You say I can't manage or I don't have or I lack, and God says, but I will supply all your needs, Philippians 4.19. You say I'm afraid, but God says, but I have not given you a spirit of fear, 2 Timothy 1.7. You say I feel all alone, and God says, I will never leave you. Hebrews 13, 5. Whatever the enemy has to throw at you, you have the word of God to defeat the enemy. You have the word of God to rebuke him out of your life. You have the word of God to when he starts firing those flaming arrows of lies, of doubt, and deceit at you. You have the word of God to throw the very word of God back at him and tell him and remind him, by the way, of the truth. Because he knows it. He knows what the truth is. He's just trying to deceive. That's why I call him the deceiver. You guys, stand your ground. Stand your ground. Do not let the enemy push you around anymore. Do not let him dictate your life to you anymore. Put on the full armor of God every single day. Stand your ground and use the sword of the spirit, the very word of God to defeat Satan. Get him out of your life. Get him out of your home. Get him out of your work, your school, wherever it is that he is messing with you, use the word of God. Bring the word of God. Listen, you guys, this is why. This is why we encourage you as a church. This is why when I was a, a children's pastor, when I was a youth pastor, I mean, I, I feel like a broken record, but be in God's word. Have God's word hidden in your heart. Literally, have God's word hidden in your heart so that when the enemy comes at you, you have a quick response. You have a quick response response. No, I may be lacking right now, but God is my provider. I may be sick right now, but God is my healer, right? I may be broken right now, but God is the one who restores. God is the one who redeems. God is the one who makes beauty out of ashes. Amen? Can I pray for you? Will you bow your heads? Will you close your eyes with me?